What's up, Ego Hackers? This is C.S. Joseph, and welcome to Typing Random People. And we have with us Mr. James Underwood, and I believe he's from Aussie Land. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but uh, he is our giveaway winner, uh, although not entirely recent because we've put this off a little bit because of scheduling conflicts because I'm bad at scheduling, and that's just what everyone knows. So... But, I, but we're here, we have a plan, we showed up, hello everybody, thanks for being here, and uh, we're going to uh, get down with uh, Type in this gentleman, and uh, he's our members giveaway winner, which has been fantastic. If you guys want to learn more about that, csjoseph.life forward slash members, check it out to become a member. You can also upgrade to a second level membership, which is Acolyte from Journeyman, and like you even get like personal videos from me or other members of the coaching team to answer your questions etc so that's pretty dope otherwise uh, just uh, I think that's like 29 bucks a month for journeyman and $100 a month total including uh, journeyman uh, for acolyte and uh, yeah so just making you guys aware of that hashtag sales lingo so that being said I would like to uh, invite Mr. Uh, Underwood to the show right now and let's see if I can hit the right button and now I can and he is here and he is with us so awesome hello hello good to have you sir uh, it's also really good to meet you um so I got I gotta ask like the obvious questions like uh, so how did you get into this uh, form of psychology to begin with what's what's your story there <laughs> well it's uh, more so understanding the conflicts within my mind. Um, the more I understand myself, the more I understand others. Um, growing up, I was the kind of person that spent a lot of time around animals because animals are easy to understand. Um, people, however, people were confusing. I had to learn how to understand them very uh, misleading creatures but now and then I was dating a girl that was going to college um, studying psychology I was going in to learn engineering uh, relationship fell apart but years later uh, I redid the personality MBTI test uh, and yeah that pulled me back into it to better understand myself and what was going on in my life why I was facing challenges the way I was, or what I could do to find the, uh, not shortcut, but the method to my madness, if that makes sense. And yeah, looking back, uh, I've always somewhat had a presence of uh, Frederick Nietzsche, Carl Jung, Throughout my life, I've been sharing their quotes and whatnot, and I didn't realize it until the last couple of years where I look back at Facebook memories and whatnot, and I'm seeing all this, these quotes. My first tattoo on my chest was actually a quote from Frederick Nietzsche. Um, I thought it was from Hunter S. Thompson, but uh, research into this educated me further on how far back it went. So... Yeah. So, 
I, I'm dying to know, how did you get a tattoo for a quote, but you didn't really know the original author? Hunter S. Thompson, but it's actually Nietzsche, or how, how did that work? Well, because uh, the band I listened to, one of the bands I listened to, made a tribute song to Hunter S. Thompson, which led me to Hunter S., which was a journalist in America, I believe, and he did like a lot of different kind of journalism, and then they made that those few movies uh, to about his books. Uh, Johnny Depp played Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and that quote: uh, "He who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man." Uh, as a young Young man growing up, I faced a lot of inner conflicts, outer conflicts. Uh, I didn't want to deal with the pain, so that really spoke to me. Hence, carving it into my chest with ink. Yeah. And then, yeah, I thought Hunter S. I was educated that Hunter S. said it, and then later on learned that it was Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. Do you, do you like that it was from Frederick Nietzsche? Yeah, I do. It's it just only improved it that you know Hunter S. <laughs> then before him and even greater minds did it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, I'm gonna. Um, so, um, how long have you been with the CSJ community? Just about. Um. Uh, as a member. Probably less than a year, but it's probably coming up a couple of years now that I started follow it, following you on YouTube. Not exactly sure how it came. Oh, I, I do actually. It started coming up as random suggested videos with the things I was searching, and uh, it started making a lot of sense with the way it all panned out. So then I just started following you because it made a lot of sense. Your randomness and your analogies i understood a lot of them because i used to be a bit of a nerd uh, i've watched a lot of tv i've yeah so a lot of your, your analogies and witticisms as well as jokes i understand i thought that was pretty funny so i could watch your lectures whereas some people when they're talking about that stuff i it gets very monotonal and my attention span drops out and I end up being distracted and not focusing on what I was trying to gain from it. Yeah, okay. I, However, that, that happens a lot. I've actually taken notes of yours. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, so, um... Alright, I think I got you nailed down pretty good but let's 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 see how uh, you go through the type grid and of your own uh, approach um, so obviously we have expression we have worldview we have affinity we have arsenal and house expression being people's interaction style communication style worldview is like their temperaments etc uh, affinity yeah. is kind of more of like okay those are my perception functions and arsenal are decision-making functions. So based on all that model, where would you like to start, uh, you know, for the type grid standpoint? 
and uh, let's see here um, just to kind of give an idea of what we're looking at the type grid folks just show the audience you know this is kind of the tool that we're using right now uh, for doing these uh, sessions so I'm just uh, sharing that on the side um, so that we can take a look at what that looks like so where would you like to start sir um Probably at the beginning, uh, just a basic test kind of thing, because there's certain, yeah, there were certain aspects of certain, was it pragmatic or abstract? Oh, I can't yes. remember. Yes. I, I, I had the grid printed out. So, yeah. You want to start with pragmatic yeah. and abstract? Okay, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Right, so, so I'm going to turn on the tool tips here. So I'll, I'll share the screen with the audience that they can actually see. So we're going to hit the uh, tips button, it'll turn the tooltips on, look at pragmatic versus affiliative, and I will read the simple definitions. Which, by the way, before we officially officially get this started, let's ask the audience real quick, like, hey, what do you guys think? So uh, they got a lot of different guesses in here. So there is ENFP, there is ISTP, ENTP, uh, what else do we have in here? Uh, people are saying SP, someone says INTJ, someone is laughing at other people for saying ESFP, someone said ESFP, um, and ESFJ, okay, god no, uh, ISFP, um, and SFP, ENTJ, so apparently the audience has typed you every type on the type grid now, so I, I think Except INFJ. <laughs> yeah, except I know. Which is awesome. That's awesome because I, that's the one I didn't want. Being called, being different and yeah, just going into this and then seeing that and how. For what I, it's worth, like, for what it's worth, I actually don't yeah. think you, I personally don't think you're an INFJ at all. So for what it's worth. Sick. Yeah. That's awesome. So oh man, I fought it out. so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let, let, let's go through affiliative versus pragmatic because that's where you wanted to start. So affiliative people prefers to ask permission rather than forgiveness. And there's a quote that supports that. Teamwork makes the dream work, or pragmatic, prefers to ask forgiveness instead of permission. And the quote that supports it, if you want something done right, do it yourself. So which one of those do you resonate with the most and why? You want something, you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I, I would I would actually really agree with that. Um, don't you like ever get to a point like where like within um, I, I mean I don't know what you do for a living and whatnot, um, but when you've when you've been working throughout your life, have you ever had this whole you know oh you need to be criticized by people you need to be more about the team etc instead of just going off on your own and doing what you think is right you know? Um, I actually. I actually do uh, preach about the teamwork a lot. It's just my version of how a team should operate is usually different. Like I usually branch off uh, away from the group and look in and see where it's not functioning. Whereas these days where I'm employed, I'm actually um, the next up in comer, so to speak, to become the next department leader and I'm starting to have to learn to 
delegate and utilize the the team so to speak and so it's that's that's a big learning curve for me to actually not just do everything myself like i have um been conditioned to do pretty much all my life is to just figure it out for myself yeah no i i totally but get I've that team. yeah so uh so basically you're taking on like a, a kind of management position uh, and being some kind of a leader. And then as a result of that, because you have that authority, you're no longer in a position necessarily to rely on yourself, but you're being forced to, because of your position of authority, to utilize the team overall and delegate tasks and make sure people are on task instead of necessarily being able to handle it yourself. Um, so yes, it's just, but at right, the same awesome. time, not, not letting them just be drones. I'm also trying to educate them as I've had to learn to think for themselves so that they don't need to constantly be answering to a leader. Like they can pretty much do the job without having to keep conveying to the person in charge that they're educated and confident enough to do the job without having to constantly refer to me. So, so you're admitting that you are essentially teaching them independence at times. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Many hands make what work, but you know, um, People need brains. I'm not gonna be there 100 of the problem. Yeah, fair not. Yeah, that's 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 a fair uh, fair assessment. All right, cool. So uh, failure of pragmatic. Let's move on. Do you want to do systematic interest, abstract concrete, direct informative, progression outcome, initiating responding next? What do you think? Uh, abstract and concrete would be an interesting one for me to try and decipher. Because right, sure. I'm often off, often off in my own head. Um, I use a lot of analogies and stuff, but yeah, it just seems once I'm triggered, the concrete things really start to um, become, I don't know, like a a venomous tongue of mine. So, a venomous yeah. tongue of yours? Yes, I absolutely think. You have a venomous tongue. I, I think so. Real quick, can we skip over to the Arsenal one real fast because of what you just said? Uh, so, at Sword and Mace says, uses facts and hard truths to determine what's socially acceptable. <laughs> I think you fit that one quite well. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just going to tell you the truth and you're just going to deal with it. Because <laughs> that's just how it is. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, but most of the time I'll I'll try and put it in the nicest way possible. But I've learned in my experience that that gets you nowhere, and that's why yeah. you have to just be an you have to be pretty much a bad guy, and that sucks because you've got to walk around with that guilt that you've just made someone's day crap. Oh yeah, guilt definitely, and guilt is definitely a sign of sword and mace for sure. So I'm gonna mark you down, sword and mace, uh, definitely. So great, we've already eliminated twelve of uh the 16 types and uh, and what is remaining here on the list is definitely not infj so we're 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 tracking sweet and that's we only answer two sweet. so like pragmatic sword mace that's it and boom we have estp istp entp and intp left and that is it you know for for these so let's let's continue on with the next one okay so uh let's see here um you want to go back to on abstract and concrete we can do that we can go back yeah 
Okay, cool. Let's go back. So I'm going to adjust my screen so they can see. All right, so abstract is prefers to start with what could be and works to make it happen versus prefers to start with what's known and works towards potential solutions. Which one do you resonate with? Abstract. So how does that can you can you walk us through um, like like what you what you're doing with work? Can you give us an example of what you're like at work, what you're doing from an abstract point of view? Alright, so I'm like I said, I'm now being put into a leadership role. I'm being given the opportunity to bring about my my version or vision of what a leader should be, um, because with all the jobs and experience and uh, with the life I've led with other people in charge and whatnot, is it's not working. Um, I, I I came from the bottom. I'm not someone that came from privilege, uh, apart from you know obviously being the white privilege. Uh, but yeah, we always had to struggle. So I always remember where I came from. And as I rise, I don't want to stand on or tear anybody else down to elevate myself. I'd rather see a leader as someone that lifts everyone else up before him. And with the opportunity I've had so far, I've, I've done pretty well to prove that. Um, However, I don't get the support until after I've got, you know, evidence or proof of that. Um, people generally find it hard to understand it until such time as I've got the past to call upon as evidence. So I've just got to pretty much keep moving forward. Okay, so you said that you have to call upon the past and really to, to be able to have the, the evidence. So, And that would indicate a form of anecdotal evidence to a point. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's your anecdotal evidence. It could be just anecdotal evidence in general. It could be coming from external sources because then you're basically saying, hey, there's an established precedent right there. That happened, okay? So what are we going to do about it, right? Um and from that point of view, uh, I'm having a hard time with seeing how that would be abstract because abstractions, it, it doesn't use um, what has happened or what is happening. You know, as you said, you know, having to have that evidence, you know, I have the past call upon as evidence um, using your words. An abstract person usually wouldn't refer to things in that regard. Um, so I'm not entirely sure I would disagree with that. So, or I would agree with that. So no, do you want to do, I, go ahead. What I, what I meant is like, I operate with the fact that people are just going to have to wait and see. Is it because I, they're just not going to be able to understand it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and okay. I'm not going to bother explaining it. You'll just see. Yeah, yeah, but I would say that's actually closer. Um, if we're going to bring up a different tooltip here, and I'll show the audience what it is, we'll bring up this one, and back in the affinity section, so fire and wind versus earth and water. So fire and wind is explained as using my freedom of choice to create memories with others, or I want to observe what others are doing so that I can figure out what I want, right? 
So what fire and what wind users do, these are x-ray sensors, wind users are just like, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to get over yourself. You're going to going to have to deal with the result. You're going to have to deal with the outcome because guess what? I have to deal with the outcome all the time. And if I'm going to spend time, yeah. it would take yeah. me more time to explain it to you than actually doing it. So we're just going to take action <laughs> and do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll see you when we get there. Yeah, I'll see you when you get there. Yeah, so yeah. based on that, I have to put down a point for fire and wind, which basically um, puts you down, uh, and that eliminates another two types. You're down to two types left according to the grid following this model, which means you're either an ESTP or an ISTP, one of those two now, which is pretty fascinating if you think about it, especially since mm. you see, see I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. E or I. That's the E or the I is the bit that's going to be interesting, I guess. Well, let's do that one next then. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's do initiators responding. So, uh, using the tooltip here for the audience to show them again um, with the tool that we have, and also audience like we can click this here and get even more information if you want. And we're also going to have these similar tooltips for like you'll actually be able to have tooltips inside of the types to explain more about the individual types when we're there. But uh, looking at the tooltip, initiating is defined to someone preferring to go to people or get or convey to get or convey information or someone who prefers people to come to them and get and convey information. And I like to explain it a little bit differently than this. Oh yeah, the second, you're like yeah. second one, just straight up, just direct. Like that's mm -hmm. it. It's the second yeah. one. I don't get it. people got to come to me. You know, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, if that's the if that's the case, then you know, looking at uh, yeah, yeah, responding automatically by default, the type grid is saying, "Boom, you're an ISTP," just straight up with that. But and I and I would agree with that because, like, it can be really stressful, you know, having to always factor in everybody else and and keep them informed. No, because you're the and guy doing all the thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're mm -hmm. the guy doing all the thinking. They need to come to you and ask you what you think because you're the one processing all the information so that they don't screw up. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And it and actually helps them. It also allows you, because you're constantly thinking about things, it automatically makes you a really good student of situations. And you're able yes. to just kind of see the cause and effect. And what this allows you to become is an amazing teacher with your subconscious so that you could teach people to get through those situations, you know, and that way they leave improved. And as you said, using your words, well, they have brains now <laughs> because yeah. they get to be more, uh, more, uh, they would talk yeah. independent. Yeah. They would talk correctly. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, at the yeah. moment, I'm also, I'm also, um, in my position, I'm also getting young men that have just got their forklift tickets and I'm coaching them on how to use um, a forklift in our area that's a little bit different to a standard forklift. And I find myself advising them a lot on all the little uh, intricacies that I've developed over the years utilising this very temperamental machine and yeah, it's just, they seem to be doing really well. They're not making many mistakes, if any. So it's good. Yeah, I, 
exactly. Like, Incredible. Uh, what's really also great is that you said something really fascinating to me about like with you becoming a leader at your organization um you're saying so they don't have to be answering the leader all the time they can be dependent i'm teaching them independence many hands make light work people need brains i'm not going to be there 100 percent of the time they need to be able to handle it themselves i don't want them to be drones i often have to educate them you know that is a management style that's that's wholly necessary. I think it's absolutely necessary from a management style, especially as an ISTP, because why? I, my former boss, his name's Kevin, a fantastic fellow, uh, lives in California, and uh, he was really great. He, uh, I was a network engineer under him for a while at a hospital conglomerate, and uh, he taught me so much, and he was trying to get me to be independent all the time, all the time, because he didn't want to have to have me rely on him. But I always knew that I could come uh, to him, uh, you know, if there was really a situation I needed help, you know, to solve. But I had to learn a lot of humility to even ask him for help. And I think at the end of the day, that was the biggest lesson that I had to learn being an ENTP, a fellow TIzer, especially a TI parent, to actually humble myself to be willing to ask him for help. And sure, sometimes he'd come off arrogant and be like, see, I'm a maverick. I can do it way better than you can. You know, uh, you need to learn this. I get it. But regardless, the problem was solved. And I could walk away knowing that the problem was solved and I gave him that level of appreciation and whatnot. And it's just kind of like when you, when you have people who work under you coming to you asking you for help, they appreciate you because you're helping them solve the problem. You know, it's like it's like if you're in a in a relationship, a sexual relationship with someone, it's not necessarily like words are words, right? You just yeah, I could say I love you, but how about like I actually like put actions into it because that's what yeah. actually Your matters. Actions speak louder than words, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Actions, actions, always above words, but words are still powerful. Powerful, but yeah. not as important or as useful as actions, especially in the eyes no. of an ISTP. Yeah, as it, my grandfather, he's an ISTP like you, and he never said I love you to my grandmother, who was an ESFJ. He never said that to her, but he always he said to her in terms of actions by showing it. That's right. He is all about show, never tell. Show is everything, and that's the he ISTP shall, way. Share with them in affection. Share with them in affection. Exactly. And and mm. she was really grateful, and then he could tell that, and it just built a lot of loyalty in her, and she was loyal to him even after uh, after he left us and it was it was really fantastic to see that and have it you know just kind of transform over time and honestly like i respected him the most out of all the men in my life because he was a huge example to me it was even more interesting is that my cousin mike he's an istp like my grandfather and my cousin mike is the man i respect the most on the planet Definitely. I mean, he, he mentored me. I mean, I was homeless, so he, you know what he did? He taught me personal responsibility by throwing me underneath houses and said, okay, Chase, you're going to work under houses. Enjoy the spiders. Enjoy the snakes. You're going to put the gunk on the piping and do the duct work, you know. But I was also desperate at the time, but at least he gave me a shot. And I'm very grateful that he gave yeah. me a shot, you know. And it's because of people like him and people like you that I actually even have a shred of manhood, a shred of independence, a shred of self-reliance. 
Because without you helping me become someone who has a brain and has it independent, like, I'd just be some depraved loser who's entitled to everything, you know, which I don't want to be. Well, I, I had I had to figure it all out because, like you said, you were homeless. Like, I went through a period where I was homeless. It was just me and my dog. And, um, yeah, the amount of times in my life I just I had to figure it out because, one, I could – I struggled to ask for help and two it was just stubbornness pride or just the the absolute mindset that i will find a way and regardless of what obstacle stands in my way i'm going to find that way and i'm going to i'm going to rise above this 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 is not going to be what gets me it can't beat me i'll overcome it all and I've been through enough shit now to look back and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a force to be reckoned with. Stronger and than I realized, man. Uh, yeah. See, that's like critic. But, um, I've got to just, yeah. But it's just. So, uh, hasn't been. Anything. Sure. When, um, so moving, so moving forward in your life and you're in this new direction, you're taking on this managerial role, you're teaching people and that's awesome. If, if I was to make one recommendation, keep teaching people, keep developing your subconscious because that's, what's going to get yourself to the point where you're happier. I know it's important to you that people value you and show you appreciation and, you know, they come to you and ask you what you think because that proves that they value you and whatnot, but if you're not going to go so far as to teach them, then you're actually going to end up feeling guilty later that you could have done more or you could have improved them in a way to give them, yeah. you know, not just a better experience, but you've hardened them up enough. Like the whole give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish. Because, yeah. yeah, you look yeah. back at your life and you're like, dang, I yeah. gave a lot of fish away. I should probably have taught yeah. a lot more so I don't have to keep giving fish away. <laughs> So. Well, a lot of the time I was giving a fish away as I was trying to teach them how to catch the fish. But a lot of the time people just, I, I struggled to get people to absorb or listen. And I struggled with a lot um, of people that were going through hardships. And I was like, if it, it affected me in the way that, you know, if they would just listen and just put in like 5% effort into the, the help I, I tried to give, they would see changes, but they wouldn't. And that affected me as like how, you know, I can't even help these people. Um, yeah. Eventually it was just, I had to realize that there's a difference between someone admitting that they needed help and someone being ready to help themselves. And I can't, I can only help the um, ones that are ready to help themselves, not the ones that are just still at the stage of admitting that they need it. I think that's the next lesson I need to learn from ISTP types because ENTP, ISTP relationships are supervisors to each other. And sometimes I need to be supervised by ISTPs to help me think about things properly. And I think I need to remember that because oftentimes I, I help a lot of people and yes, they admit that they need help, but you're right. I have I really struggle with being able to identify if they're actually at the point yeah. where they can help themselves, because that's when there's actual meaning to what I teach them. I can't just mm. say to somebody, be a man, even though they've admitted to me that, yeah, I need to be a man. And it's like, well, 
are you actually going to put some action in that brings me back yeah. to so for me what i've learned to do is with people like that is i start off with uh, like very simple and basic small things and then give them like a period of time to either act on it or don't so it's up to you whether you do it or you don't you're your own person but don't keep coming to me and asking me for help if you're not going to take any of the board and it's like i guess to a certain point and then i'll just be i'll just be mature and civil to them but I, I won't put any more time or investment into them personally because it's like my time is valuable i'm not getting it back and you're wasting it yeah it's exactly i i wish I wish in general, though, that more FE user men, expert feeling men out there had that point of view, because like, you know, even even if you go back to like the words of Jesus saying that true religion is taking care of widows and orphans, I oftentimes see extroverted feeling user men invest so much into everybody else, but not invest in themselves at all. And it should be they invest in themselves 80 percent of the time and 20 percent of the time in other people ultimately because they keep putting the tribe above themselves and it's inhibiting their own personal manhood and then they become bad examples of manhood to other boys who just end up repeating the cycle and that's something i do yeah i mean we're all conditioned to do that in western society as men because we are basically the the cheap gender the expendable gender as uh dictated by society etc and I don't want to have any part of it. It's just getting to a point where I can be that example and be willing to have the strength of character to say no, you know, in those FE situations and save my FE for the widows and orphans and not just any random person or even some family members. You know what I'm saying? Because they could take it real far. It's crazy. Like, Um, So I don't know if you can see my... My room at the moment, with all the art. So, um, you played WoW. Did you ever play Diablo? Oh, Diablo 2 is my most favorite video game ever. I will be playing Diablo 2 Resurrected as soon as it releases. Damn straight. So, growing up, up, I had a lot of of that heavily conditioned into me because I had friends at school and whatnot, but... Outside of school, I didn't really have anyone that came and wanted to socialize with me. So I was pretty much indoctrined into the law of Diablo. And uh, the reason you can see uh, Malthiel is because he's the Archangel of Wisdom. And then on the other wall is an even bigger um, one of Tyriel, who has been the most predominant presence in my Dogmas, I guess, as the Angel of Justice. Um, yeah, you dare, you dare judge me. I'm the embodiment of justice. The amount of times I've, uh, I've stood for what was right when I was the only one that stood for it, and everyone turned a blind eye. And I had uh, kind of, at one point, I, uh, I got cast out. From pretty much my own family for being the only one that would tell the truth, so that too. that was kind of like what showed me once again that I've got conviction is that I'm willing to lose it all in order to stand for what's right and preach it. What's that's true? That's awesome. Yeah, it's so funny how. So that's one thing. 
Yeah. It's funny how... And I, I've also oh, painted the uh, Archangel of Hope from Diablo as well because she's humility. And so the way I saw it was... Originally, I saw it as Tyrion was my ego, Malthiel was my unconscious, and Oriel, the Angel of Hope, was my subconscious. Whereas now I think Tyrion is more so the superego, the... Uh, the judge during executioner, so to speak. Yeah. Is, I yeah. agree with that. I, I absolutely, and absolutely that, agree with that. Yeah. And because I stopped there, those are the three sides of my mind on the ego that confers with them. I just needed to bring them out of my mind into the reality so I could actually engage with each one. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I, um, there's so much. I mean, Diablo lore itself is extremely rich overall, especially when you, um, you know, look at how Diablo one and Diablo three are so closely interrelated story-wise. You know, with some of the characters and how you know Diablo's vessel in Diablo three is, uh, you know, her mother is you know the witch in her hut in in Diablo one and how that goes there, but you get to go even deeper and see how there's additional themes over time that do correlate directly to Jungian analytical psychology. I mean, even from a location standpoint, you have sanctuary, you have the hells, you have, uh, you have the high heavens basically as different locations. And, and then there's another area that really isn't, very talked about really well it's kind of like how they do the same thing in starcraft where it's like oh yeah we have the zerg and the protoss and the humans but then all of a sudden there's this zelnaga thing you know and it but it really just goes to show that you know yeah i, I I'll, I'll admit that they have the same writers in chris metzen and whatnot but mm. at, at the same time which chris metzen is an stp similar to you so it's it's really cool just to watch how you're able to adopt the lore created by an stp creative and how it resonates with well, you um from that standpoint how you say um the sanctuary and all the hells and whatnot you might find this pretty funny but I live in a town called Rockhampton, and at night, there's orange streetlights that, when looked at um, from the mountain close by, those orange streetlights spell hell. And I consider my, and I've always considered my wow. room or my storage space as what I call sanctuaries, um, where I go to recharge, and then back out into the fray to uh, make the world a better place again. Yeah, that it's 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 really necessary, especially with you being a Templar. And I'll for the audience, I'll read the uh, the Templar description. Um, and that is really life is about strengthening others, which can also make me personally stronger. When you're going out there swinging the fiery sword of truth to get people to be free and independent, because you don't want your freedom taken away, you don't want people shackling you or throwing you in a cage. No. So if you keep everyone else right. smart, streetwise, capable, self-reliant, independent, that means they're not going to be shackled and put in a cage either, which means if someone is trying to do that to you, guess what? Those people are enabled to rescue you and prevent you from being shackled yeah. in the cage, especially since you were the one that guaranteed that they never would. You know? So they had their freedom. Yeah, they have their freedom, and you helped make sure that they were capable enough 
and that's what you're doing with your subconscious you are teaching people capability and that capability is what produces freedom in their life such that when they have it and your freedom is being taken away it could be from your government it could be from your community it could be from your family it could be from a sibling it could be from your boss it could be from any source doesn't matter those people who you have empowered who you've given capability to have freedom and sovereignty in their lives they will protect your freedom and your sovereignty because you are the one that gave it to them in the first place or helped them achieve it in the first place and they'll remember that and they'll be grateful to you and that ultimately is enfj subconscious that's what it's all about that's your contribution to the world effectively or at least at a minimum your community because if it's free it's called free will right and if yeah. it's free for will, it's free for me too. Exactly. Yeah. It's free for me too. I don't know Very who will is, and I don't know why he gets it for free, but if it's free for him, it's free for me too. Damn straight. Anyway, mm. folks, um, let's uh, let's look at some of the reactions from the, uh, the audience. Mm. Um, and... Uh, Definitely, they overall agree that you're ISTP as well. And if I go back a little bit just before, just as we were starting to get in the type grid, everyone was going ISTP, ISTP, ISTP all the way down. So it looks like we have a, a majority agreement amongst the audience that you are an ISTP as well, which is fantastic. I also uh, took the liberty of finding your account in uh, our system, and I gave you free access to the ISTP section, so you can watch the two yep. private ISTP videos, the relationship video and the season 19 self-growth, improvement, and development uh, lecture as well. It's for no charge, and you'll have those yep. indefinitely. Um, so that's cool. Thanks, uh, Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. And, and thank you for being uh, a member of the audience and also for sticking around also with all our crazy scheduling <laughs> bullshit that we had to deal with. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful every time I meet another STP in, in the community, you guys, uh, I don't think you guys get a, enough credit sometimes with, um, all the stuff that you have to face in life and people just accuse you of being uncaring, even though you care the most. And I'm not going <laughs> to stand for that. You know, so yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm very no, it's, thankful you're yeah, here. Kind of, yeah, people have accused someone of being so cold-hearted, and it's like, man, if you only knew how much I cared, you'd, yeah. you would, you'd never say that. You would <laughs> never say that. They'd never say that. I exactly, man. And that's and 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 folks, you know that that's what extroverted feeling inferior looks like. You, you may complain about their FI demon, but the reality of the situation is is that that FE inferior cares more than you know. So stop assuming. Like, seriously, ask questions. Don't be judging. Don't be making statements. At least humble yourself yeah. enough to be willing to ask questions first and find out why uh, Mr. Underwood here or any ISTPs like him are saying what they're saying. There is a method. They're not yeah. idiots. And you can trust ask them to why. not be idiots. So ask, mm. you know. Ask what? That's the best thing people can do for me is ask, so I can explain it. Exactly. But I, I don't know if they don't ask. Yeah, and it's not like an ISCP is going to just start explaining that anyway, because they have to be invited to explain, because they know if no one's asking, then no one's going to listen, and they're not going to waste their time. And people are like, well, why don't you just explain it anyway? Well, it's because you have to ask, because otherwise I'm wasting your time and wasting my time. But if I'm invited 
to explain, then I will. And a lot of people don't even, like, they don't even consider that. This is why, you know, TE users like STJs, for example, or NFPs are really made for uh, good for relationships, friendships, sexual relationships with ISTPs because they can't help but ask why. They really can't. Um, you know, philosopher types can't help ask but why because any awareness of why and then their inquisitive TE nature to find out what other people know, they're going to ask. And that's why they're the most compatible with Mr. Underwood here. And it's, it's really... It's really important that, you know, if you're around STPs, then do what the philosophers do. It's not that hard. You can emulate philosopher behavior and still ask why. It's not hard. It's actually, and it's not just something they want. Folks, this is a need. This is a need that STPs have. And STPs, they're trying to fill everyone else's needs sometimes. And they want to be able to have wants after they've filled out everyone else's needs. So at least do them the favor of asking them why, okay? It's respectful, It's it, sh it proves to them that not only are you willing to listen, it proves to them that you're actually a real friend because that's a concrete action that you're choosing and then, then that you're not just some fair-weathered friend who only takes advantage and only wants to talk about their problems. They got problems too, like come on, you know? So You're making effort. Yeah, make an effort. The effort matters. It matters a lot to the STPs. Yeah, like, yeah. So anyway, um, thank you for watching, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Typing Random People. And uh, thank you, Mr. Underwood, for being here and also for being a member of Thanks, the community. Guys. It's been fantastic, sir. Thanks, everybody. Yep. All right, folks, that being said, I'll see you guys tonight. Later.